0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible
1: and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. The book of Luke and chapter 1. The notes that you received is called a true Christmas message. I did one a year ago and it was kind of titled the same thing but... The content was totally different. So I wanted to um, bring to your attention a, a little bit better about what Christmas is supposed to be about. And I, I like talking about Christmas. I have to be honest with you that there was a time when I didn't know what Christmas was really about. Uh, remember, in part of my testimony, and it's the truth, uh, we, us kids, we, we weren't raised in church. I, I never saw my mom and dad go to church. I never saw them read a Bible. Never had prayer in our home. But when I, my dad beat me half to death, I did a lot of praying. <laughs> but when we was being raised, you know, we were way back in the woods, and uh, we, we, we had to go out and pick cotton. Uh, i run around with, you know, barefooted. Have you ever taken the lid off of a big old can, and you'll drive a nail through it to a stick, and you just run it all over the yard? the uh, That was what we played with. And then we would take and get inside of an old tire, and the other kids would push you around, and you was inside of the tire. But everybody back then, you had to have your own special tire that you would just run and roll it and guide it and go up and down the dirt roads and so forth. Uh, you made your own fun. There was no place like uh, Disney World. You did what you could. Or take a t- couple cans that was, you know, and you stomp your foot in it and stomp your foot in it and you walk around on cans. Boy, that was a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. But one of the best ones that I liked, I, I loved to shoot marbles. Anybody in here ever shoot Marbles? You had to be a little bit older to shoot marbles. Man, I got where I was dead. I wouldn't marble. Man, I could really shoot. So when I was in school, the goal was during recess is to beat the other kids and take all their marbles. And every day it seemed like I lost my marble. I lost all my marbles. Then anyway, one day, it was my day. I cleaned house. And I got all these marbles. My pockets were full of them and I had to go back into the class. And whenever I sat down in class, you know, A, Arnold, front row. Well, I was still, you know, just so filled with, you know, I, I, I did it, I, I beat those kids. I, I got their marbles. And so I leaned back and slouched down in my chair, and all of a sudden, all my marbles rolled out of my pocket and going down on both sides down the aisle. And the teacher turned around and saw all these marbles going down the back of the, the back of the room, she confiscated all my marbles, and I didn't go home with one marble that day. No, the Bible says, and I wanted to be scriptural, marble not." But during Christmas time, we did not have you know, a teaching about what Christmas was about, you know, Christ being born. All I knew is, and what most people knew at that time, is that uh, Santa Claus is coming. Now, I said before, there's four stages of Santa Claus. You believe in Santa Claus. You don't believe in Santa Claus. You are Santa Claus. In the last stages, you look like Santa Claus. (laughs) But there was a, a time when I really believed in Santa Claus because he's going to bring all these presents. Well, the part that really bothered me was, why does he show favoritism? He gave rich folks more presents than he did, and I knew that they were no better than I was, and I was, I was a little upset. Me and my two sisters, because for a couple of years, we, we didn't get anything. So we went to see my daddy and told my dad, we, wanna, we, we want some presents this year, and he swore, We are going to have the best Christmas anybody has ever had. When Santa Claus comes over, he said, I'm going to shoot him. And get all the presents and bring them home. Well, we couldn't wait. We didn't care anything about the next year, Santa being dead, nothing like that. It didn't even enter our minds. My daddy was going to shoot Santa Claus and bring all the presents. So we went down in the woods and we got us a little old tree, pine tree. Put two boards in the back of it, put a nail up through it and put it in the corner. And then we went out there in the yard and got all these my Prince Albert tobacco cans, my dad used to always do it and roll his own cigarettes. You know, But it was silver lining inside. You could take all of those, and they were all over the place. We cut them in little strips and hung on got our icicles. We put some popcorn, run a string through it, and put them on the tree. We were ready. Christmas morning, nothing. My daddy was drunk. We saw him outside, leaning up against the tree. I don't know if he stayed there all night long. We went up, and we was We was upset. And he looked at us and he told us a tear-jerking story, and we bought it. He said, "You kids won't believe this. I I, I sat out here all night. I waited for him to come over, and I shot at him and I missed him." <laughs> and we felt so sorry for my dad. <laughs> well, one day I found out the truth. <laughs> but anyway, I hope your Christmases were. A lot more wonderful and blessed than that. And anyway, when you really talk about Christmas, you're talking about God sending His Son into the world. Now look at the little first statement there that I wrote. In the Old Testament, the Lord gave Israel. said that a child, a child would be born of the line of King David in the city of Bethlehem, Ephratah Judea. This Messiah was to be the Lord Himself, born of a virgin to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world, that he might be the Savior of the world. Now, that little statement is really the purpose of what we call Christmas, why the Son was born. And he was born that he might die. Now, a lot of people like to worship the babe in the manger, but they're really turned off by the the man that died on the cross. Well, the one that died on the cross was that same little baby in Mary's arms. Now, the first thing I wrote down here was the Son... To be born was an ideal son. I would like to think that my parents, they were looking forward for the ideal son. Me. Did you know, and i mentioned this, and it's, but it's the truth. Sometimes when I say this, people say, you're just joking, right? No. But when I was born, and I was born, and not fall out of a tree, my dad did say that I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. My dad had never seen Louis Hernandez. (laughs) He says, I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen. And it it broke my heart. I started crying right off the bat. But anyway, he says he was going to put me in a burlap sack and throw me in the river and drown me. My mama wouldn't let him. The doctor came to the house and looked at me and says, my, 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 looks just like his daddy, don't he? (laughs) Well, my dad called me a blankety-blank Yankee, and that's how I got my nickname Yankee. I got it before I got my real name. So anyway, a few months later, I was, we moved to Georgia, and, uh, rebel in Georgia. Uh, Yankee, you know, I've been shot at from both sides for the rest of my life. But that nickname Yankee has stuck with me. My mama called me Yankee Boy. My daddy called me the other. <laughs> it finally dropped off. He just called me Yankee after that. But I would like to think that I was, well, I have to say that I was part of the ship. I wasn't an expected baby for a a while There, I was expected. And when I was born. But I was not the ideal baby like the Bible talks about. Think of all the babies that have been born into the world. And out of all the babies in the world, nobody was like this baby. Not like this baby. You know, the Bible talks about some of these, the stars and he told him, it says, um, the star of David and the star from out of Jacob, referring to Jesus Christ coming. The wise men that were in the east, and they said they, they saw his star in the east. Now, Nassau says that there are approximately, according to them, about two trillion galaxies. And every galaxy has about 100,000 stars. That's more than I can count. And that's an awful lot of stars. But he, the Lord, knows every star by name. But there's one star that stands out among all the stars. Out of all the people in all the world, there's nobody like this child. Look at the statement there. Jesus was the most expected baby in the world. From the very first prophecy given that a woman was going to have a child. And in chapter 4, when Eve had a child, she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. But it wasn't the one they were expecting. There's a child that was going to be born. They were expecting it. And then years would roll by. And God began to give signs, prophecy. This child was prophesied to come into the world. And so God told him that it would come to a certain nation. The whole nation was because God had a, a plan, a purpose. Out of this nation, there are certain tribes, and out of twelve tribes, He chose the tribe of Judah. And out of Judah, there was a son that was born down the road named Jesse, and then then next thing there was David, and then Solomon, and on down the road. That this one that was going to be born is comes from this line, and then he has to be born at a certain time, and so. Daniel tells us that time. And, and then whenever you see that he's born in a certain place, there were two Bethlehems in Israel. Bethlehem Ephrathah, southern part of Judea, and Bethlehem and in northern part. So Bethlehem Ephrathah, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth, that it be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from from old to everlasting. He never had a beginning, never has an ending. This child is going to be born. And then he tells us in the book of Isaiah, Behold, he says, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. But Jesus was God with us. He was to be the Savior of the world. And they shall call his name Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. And unto us a child is born, a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So this one that was going to be born is also called the Everlasting Father. How can you be an everlasting father without having an everlasting son? So God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son. You see, the next thing here. A prepared baby. Have you ever seen people today when they know they're going to have a little child? They got a little room set up. They paint the room. They get the baby crib. They get everything in there and they say they're going to be blue or pink or whatever it is, you know, and based upon years ago, they didn't know what it was going to be. But anyway, now they got everything planned out. And they got everything all ready for the baby because, you know, they're expecting the baby. And when they expect the baby, they're preparing for it. Can you see God of heaven God of heaven. I'm sending my most precious son into the world and I want everything prepared. There's going to be a mansion down there and he's going to have a crib made out of gold he's going to have all the satin sheets to sleep on it's going to be perfect for this little baby is that the way it was? It wasn't that in a stable born in a manger where they would eat the straw and the hay from you know I mean, something, where's all the dignitaries? Some shepherds. But when Jesus was born, God had prepared. The world was ready. The timing, in the fullness of time, Jesus was born of a woman at the right time, in the right place. Because years before, he said he was going to be born in Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. So Jesus was right on schedule. There's no child like this. And then we have here Jesus was a perfect baby. There's no flaws in this baby. You know, whenever little babies are born, first thing most of them do, they count the toes and their fingers. Are all of them there? They got two legs? Three? No. You got you know two ears, you got a nose, and everything is right. And you want to know is he, is he, is he healthy? You know, this baby was a perfect baby, no flaws. Remember, the lamb that was to be slain had to be without fault, without spot. It had to be just right. This baby that was born had to be a perfect child because he was going to be the child that was going to grow up and be the payment for the sins of the world. It can have no sinful nature. This child had no sinful nature. This child never did anything wrong. This was really what you would call a precious baby. A precious baby and a priceless baby. You realize, what was the price of this baby? Here's If this child had never been born, think of the world, and here we are without a payment for our sins. If there had not been a child born to pay for our sins, there was no payment for our sins. There would be no hope. We would be of all men most miserable. But when Jesus was born, joy to the world. Joy to the world. What I want you to do is look there in Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. Uh, This is a little bit of the story. Just going to read the first four or five verses here. In verse 30, there's Mary... Probably a teenager. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I mean, favor, you're going to have a child. You're going to be bringing in the Messiah. For behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. You're going to bring forth a son. So God, see, God already knew the seed was going to be planted By the Holy Spirit, it says the power of the Almighty, the Holy Spirit would come over her and plant a seed, a holy seed, incorruptible seed, so that that child would be a holy thing, incorruptible, no sinful nature. See, last week I talked to you about you and I, we have a problem. Remember I said, you have a problem, I have a problem. We are born of corruptible seed. This child was not born of a corruptible seed. And he says here in verse 32, He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. See, he was of the right line, the lineage. He had a right to claim the throne of Israel. And then in verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob for how long? It isn't over yet. Remember, he came the first time he could have been the king of Israel to set up his kingdom upon the earth. But the king was rejected. The kingdom has been postponed. And so it's still in the future. And God keeps his word. Not one verse in the Bible, not one word in the Bible, not one mark in the can be violated in the sense that it will not be fulfilled. Everything God says will happen like God says. And so he says here in verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be, see those last two little words, no end. Understand this. America is not going to bring peace to the world. No combination of all nations coming together is going to bring peace to this world. There will be the promise of peace but sudden destruction. They cannot bring peace because individually people do not have peace. They can, it can only happen because of the prince of peace. When he comes, he will set everything up and he'll rule righteously. Right now, we do not have righteous rulers. I believe we ought to do all the right that we can do. But understand what God says and looking into the future. America is not the Savior. We have a Savior, but it's not this world, and we don't look to the White House. We looked to the Lord. And in this world, we're going to have tribulation, all kinds of tribulation. Then you'll notice there in verse 35, And the angel answered, excuse me, verse 34, And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She had enough sense to know how you're supposed to have children. But it's not going to be because of a man. So he says in verse 13. And the angel answered and said unto her. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow them. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So Jesus Christ when he was born. Because he was born of a woman of the flesh. He was called the Son of Man. And because he was the seed of God. He was called the Son of God. That's why the Jews wanted to kill him because they understood what he said when he claimed to be the Son of God. I came forth from God. They said, because thou being a man, makest thyself God. They understood what he claimed to be, but he told the truth. There's no child like this child, and he was a precious child. Now, I want you to take and look there in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Now when I was down in Texas, I uh, conducted the funeral for Lee Patton, a close friend of mine who passed away recently. And uh, there's a lady there that knows Lee very well, and she wrote a poem. She writes many poems, and she sung at the, uh, the funeral. But she couldn't come up on the stage. She's in a wheelchair, and they had to wheel her in. I told her, I said, why don't you just stay right down here and we'll just give you the microphone. You just, she said, oh, that would be great. That would be great. Because they're trying to figure out how to get up on the stage, you know. And there were a lot of people there. I'd say four or five hundred people there. It was a big funeral. And so she did, did an excellent job. Gave a little brief testimony. But this is what she wrote. Because, you know, when you read chapter two of the book of Luke, it talks about peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, since Jesus has come, there hasn't been peace on earth. Not very much goodwill toward man. It's the way God wanted it to be. But people make wrong decisions. They won't do what God says do. She says this. Peace on earth? How can it be? Our times are so uncertain. It seems our world is blinded by a dark and fearful curtain. Of such evil times that our foundations have been Shaken. The voice of truth seemed silent, and our freedom could be taken. Perhaps our Heavenly Father must hide from us His face, because this nation's back has turned on His amazing grace. This grace so freely offered through Jesus Christ, His Son, who fully sacrificed Himself in our salvation, won. Though bitter trials and sorrows barge into this world of hate, These are really light afflictions when compared to what awaits. For every child of God, each one who has on Jesus Christ believed. He has been born into his family and his spirit has received. For God's children, peace depends not on the circumstances we're in, but on Jesus, he who is our peace. It all depends on him. For we are with and also in Him by God's amazing grace, and no power on earth or heaven can disturb the Prince of Peace. I love her poems she wrote, and quite a few, and sent us a couple since the time we were there. Here in the Book of Luke, in chapter two, I want you to look there in, uh, in verse ten. In verse ten, you know that they've come to the place, the time. Jesus is to be born. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The word tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people that God previously chose. No, which shall be to all people. Christ came into the world to die for all the sins of all the world so that it can be good news to all the world. And then he says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, not a trailblazer or a wayshore, not a Davy Crockett or a Daniel Boone, follow me, no, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. And then it says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men that day is still yet to come but God sent his peace into the world to make peace with God which was Jesus Christ but people rejected that peace offering that sacrifice that God was willing to make so that we could come to God and people are still walking around in darkness and do not know the Lord and that's a a shame if you will look at page two 30 years later, after this child was born, I want you to look in your Bible to John chapter 1. Look in John chapter 1. You might not look at this as a Christmas story, but it really is. You're talking about Jesus coming into the world. And God taking upon flesh. So you see in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, when you trust Christ as your Savior, and He gives you eternal life, that life is the light by which you can see and understand. You see, without eternal life, you don't have the light to see. And the light of the gospel is what helps the blind man to see God. And without the gospel, man is forever blinded. And that's why the devil has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the gospel. The gospel gives light. It lets people see. God loves you. Christ paid for your sins. If you believe, you can have eternal life. That's such a wonderful thing to have. The a wonderful thing to know. It is such tremendous power, such tremendous knowledge. Look in verse 10. Verse 10 is another, well, salvation verse. And it's a good verse on Christmas. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. What did the world do to him when he came? Rejected him, crucified him, but he came back from the dead. So you see, God doesn't make people believe Doesn't force anybody to trust him. But that's why he says there in verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him. Some will, some won't. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the what? Sons of God. See, God came into the world. He was the son of God. We trust Christ as our Savior. We are a son of God. But we're not the son of God. I am not God. But I am a son of God. We can't totally fathom and understand all these things. All I know is that when I was saved 60 years ago, all I knew is I'm a sinner and I'm going to hell. Christ died and paid for my sins. And if I trust him, I go to heaven. That's what I did. It's been a joy learning some things after that. I I didn't know all these things were in the Bible. But I sure am glad that they are in there because I have enjoyed learning them and finding out what I have in Christ and how much he really loved me, what all he did and what he went through. So in verse 14, here you have the incarnation. You have God been manifested in a physical body. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace
0: and truth. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. And request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com.